and I just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep. Uh, welcome back to My Alchemical Bromance. This is Eric Arneson, and tonight I am interviewing Aaron David, who is the host of Charm the Water, which is another podcast which you should check out after you're done listening to this episode. Of course, you, I guess a lot of you probably came here from Charm the Water since he plugged this a couple times, but um, say hi, Aaron. Howdy, I'm from North Carolina. <laughs> and that's his real <laughs> accent. It is. Um, so... I brought Aaron on, uh, well, I mean, first of all, he's super fun to talk to, but also I wanted to talk to him about uh, magical journaling because he has an approach to kind of his occult practice, which is um, very open and like sherry. You share a lot compared to compared to most occultists, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. Yeah. And also to me, when I first encountered it and first came across it, I was kind of like, Oh God, I would never share that much. But, um, Mm -hmm. but the way you do it, I get a lot of criticism for, for doing that. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't have any critique of it. I do say that I would say that like, for me, it's, it's intimidating. Like I would never feel comfortable sharing that much about my practice, but, uh, Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating. I guess part of it is because, uh, a lot of times when you see like pop like occultists or, or magicians or whatever who share their experience, they only share mm-hmm. success. Right. And you share. And you don't even. Yeah. You could talk. Yeah. You, you, my, um, when I first started with mm-hmm. magic, I guess this was in 2012, uh, after at my marriage broke up. Well, my dad died and then my marriage broke up and then, uh, had this kind of crisis of faith thing and didn't know what the hell was going on and kind of ended up let's try this and mm-hmm. that was through rufus opus uh uh-huh. he sent me his neoplatonic basics and uh i really started digging in like crazy yeah and he was like diy mages where everything he did he put out there on head for the red his blog okay and i think that's where i got it from um like I'm like he's extremely transparent mm-hmm. with all the stuff he's doing, and this is something I don't see in the occult community that much at all. Yeah, um, I I think you're you're right, and it's you know um like you know one of the things that that you know that Rufus Opus does or Rufus Opus is well known for is his uh his work with uh, conjuring spirits, right? Like he he's got like the seven spheres, like he does a lot of sort of like uh crystal work where he conjures spirits and that's a weird skill that nobody's going to get right the first time you know it's hard to do um it's really hard to kind of like open your mind up to that sort of thing and even after that like you know there's a lot of technique that that changes the way you have that experience um and that Mm -hmm. kind of so so the sort of openness like sharing failures as well as successes or difficulties as well as like places where things smooth out I think uh, is really helpful to other occultists, beginners or experienced people so that they know like, oh, I'm not just bad at this. I just need to practice or I'm not just bad at this. I just need to uh, change my technique and try again in a different way. Right. Yeah. um, I think that was what was really cool with following him Mm -hmm. was you got to see him try out new things. Some of it was kind of silly yeah and some of it was really cool and you just got you never knew what it was going to be up to he was just kind of very experimental Mm -hmm. and uh just open 
And uh, it's funny we're talking about this because since I've went through his Seven Spheres course and book, um, he, I, I don't know exactly when this happened, but he joined the AA mm-hmm. and uh, OTO. And of course, all that transparency went away. <laughs> yeah, that, that um, secrecy, the secrecy thing is interesting. And I think we should talk about it. But I think first, let's let's open a beer. I have right. I have two different things to try tonight. The first one is Omegong Three Philosophers, which is kind of from your side of the country. Uh, Omegong is what is that? Uh, I can't remember. I've had it before, um, but I don't remember. Oh, oh, it's it's horribly strong. It's a it's a quadruple ale, so it's, it's like a, IPA? a it's a Belgian style Abbey ale that is going to be like okay. black as yeah, night. Yeah, and then <laughs> the other one I have is also super weird, and I have no idea what this is. This is from Wildcraft Cider. It's an oak aged kiwi cider. Hmm. I don't know which one to have first. What do you, what do you think? What would you? I'd go for the strongest one first. Okay, I, I like the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you what are you drinking? I pretty much stick with uh, New Belgium's Voodoo Ranger, uh, which was formerly just known as Ranger. Yeah. And then they changed changed the labeling. That's a good That's one. That's pretty much all I drink, unless I'm in an emergency situation on a Sunday. And I have been known to uh, partake of wine, only on rare occasion. <laughs> all right. And we... if I'm eating Mexican, I like uh, some... Oh, yeah, like a Mexican beers. Negro Modelo or something like that. Okay, here we go. Yeah. So uh, so Aaron normally just drinks his beer out of a can. So I'm going to teach him how to <laughs> drink beer out of a glass today. Um, so, you know, pour yourself your beer. And if you're drinking an IPA, you should get head. Like, get it get it a little foamy. You don't want it to, like, be ridiculous. Okay. But get a little bit of foam on there. And then you stick your nose in it. Don't get your nose wet. Just like smell it. Like you're probably going to, going to laugh at this glass because I don't have like beer glasses or anything. Hey, that looks fine to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then you talk about like what what do you smell? You like for instance, my smells like it's going to try to murder me. It's uh, it's dark fruits and figs and date smells and like really heavy like burnt caramel smells. And something that 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 weird smell that like really strong old beers always have. I wonder if this is mm-hmm. an old beer. Yeah. For me, I can't really detect anything but um, that really, I guess, hoppy IPA yeah. thing. And if I wanted a bit of fruit, mm-hmm. like a bit of sweeter thing, they make a. I think it's a tangerine. Yeah. IPA. It's a little bit lower ABV, mm-hmm. but very very tasty honestly this things i have a hard time i don't really drink beer for the taste but yeah i like these like if i wanted something more tasteful i would go with the tangerine thing these mm-hmm. actually taste like crap but they're seven percent abv so they get me where I, <laughs> in that headspace i want to be pretty quick yeah well you know <laughs> honestly tasting beer is like uh it's like magic it takes practice and it tastes kind of or it takes kind of like you know you really got to like get into the beer so so there's mm-hmm. you know there's a particular art to crafting a beer like the the voodoo ranger um 
or this one like omegong is a pretty impressive brewery they're in i'm pretty sure omegong's in new york so it's omegong new york and they make beer in belgian abbey styles and different belgian styles and they do a really good job like Mm -hmm. they bring over uh belgian yeasts maybe about 10 years ago or less than that like in the in the late aughts they were purchased by uh, a belgian brewery so they're actually like owned by a belgian brewery now um are you familiar with any of the uh, Asheville breweries uh i might be but um i can't think of any off the top of my head like i there, I, uh, there might be beer breweries that i'm familiar with and i'm just not uh there's one that's like a graveyard or something like that it's got uh-huh. some name like that it's been a while since i've had it but it is the best beer i've had out at a restaurant besides anything new belgium makes yeah. i pretty much will drink they make a i think a triple oh yeah ale i forget what the is it like golden and what. not very hoppy it's got a rooster on it. i can't remember <laughs> the first time i had it i i i was dating this woman uh-huh and it was so embarrassing like i didn't know anything about these you know super oh triple it was strong. probably like nine percent yeah nine percent abv or something uh-huh. i didn't know about it so she had dinner she had her family over hmm. and she was uh this latina lady and so i was like you know it was, they were asking me to say prayer they were very religious uh-huh. and so i got about three beers in oh no and just got absolutely wasted <laughs> and she actually had to take me on a drive to get me away from uh just totally making an ass of myself but, uh. yeah strong beer it's uh it sneaks up on you yeah so i mean i'm really glad it, like this is a delicious beer the the omegong uh, three philosophers and um oh it's a 2016 it's a vintage beer <laughs> um mm. but uh i'm really glad that it's in such a small bottle because <laughs> it's probably gonna What's the ABV on it? It is 9.7. Wow. And it's sweet, right? <laughs> so it's kind of, it's sweet and strong and like you can't see through it. It's dark. Um, so this in my uh, Voodoo Ranger, is that hops that I'm tasting? Like that's that IPA like. Yeah. Taste? So hops are going to do the a couple. Pine yeah. The pine cone, that's hops. Uh, they do a couple different things. They do uh various like really floral and herbal flavors and smells and they also add all the bitterness um and then the sweetness is going to be from the malt in the beer so that's like uh, sugars that didn't ferment out or something like that Mm -hmm. um and ipas usually have a little bit of sweetness or sometimes a lot of sweetness Mm -hmm. um and then the hops are going to be really forward like you're going to get yeah i don't get much sweetness like with this at all yeah like that's why i stay away from the tangerine stuff it's almost like too sweet sometimes it's mm. just kind of a nice yeah that makes occasional sense thing. yeah this one has sweetness but it's hidden behind a lot of other flavors so i i like that though that's it's a good beer i'll probably drink it real fast so i can get to that weird kiwi beer so by the end of this episode <laughs> i might be like slurring and uh swearing a lot so hide, hide your children <laughs> yeah thankfully i don't have any <laughs> i was warning the audience i'm not a big fan of kids yeah me neither <laughs> oh. <laughs> um and, uh, yeah Kelly's like that's terrible actually kelly, kelly has a daughter but she's like an adult i'm not a fan of like yeah kid kids kid kids yeah i don't know how to talk to them i don't know how to relate to them uh i find that it works best if you just ask them math questions Mm. yeah they really? they'll get confused and they <laughs> want to talk to you anymore 
<laughs> Every time I'm around them, they're like, your head's shiny. <laughs> you have lots of people. I'm like, go away. Get out of here. What's all this judgment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why are kids so judgy? I didn't Who even like that? kids when I was a kid. Yeah. It was the same thing when I was a kid. I felt like a total alien amongst children, even as a child. And they were all like, your head's shiny. <laughs> I had some hair back then. Back then it was like, you're weird. <laughs> you're weird. You're weird and your head's not shiny enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, um, they were going to send me to speech therapy. Oh, yeah? Uh, probably second, I don't know, from kindergarten to like fifth grade, they wanted to send me to speech therapy because nobody thought I could talk. Oh, was it's it because like, your, I didn't want... your accent wasn't strong enough? They're like, he sounds like no, he's, I... he's from Maryland or something. <laughs> I, that was one thing growing up around in Asheville. Uh -huh. when I did talk later on. Everybody was like, where are you from? And I was like, right here. <laughs> but no, I just didn't uh, care to talk to anybody, I guess, for hmm. the first 12 years of life or so. <laughs> well, you're doing a good job now. Now you talk to like the whole internet. <laughs> I know. Isn't that... Uh, I still don't talk to a lot of people it, like socially. So it, it, I guess this is my like outlet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah. So, all right, let's get back to like the, the secrecy question, you know, you, so, uh, you know, like, like keeping a magical journal. Did I ever say that we were going to talk about magical journals once we started recording? We're talking about magical uh, journals yeah. a little bit yeah. at least. So, so like keeping a magical journal is something that's recommended by, you know, every beginner occult book. They're like, keep a record, keep mm -hmm. a record of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, sometimes it'll be like, keep a record of stuff and keep, track of like various astrological thingamajigs you know take note mm -hmm. of where the sun is and the moon is and if anything interesting is happening uh record all yeah. the rituals you do and the outcomes of them and all that kind of stuff and a lot of uh, magical practices have um sort of this repetitive ritual element which i think is important you know uh, doing doing like banishing rituals every day f at least for a while or doing invocations of specific planetary elements or things and then sort of recording the outcome um and mm. they don't really and a lot of times there's not really a big warning like hey if you spend a week um uh invoking mars uh weird shit will happen <laughs> if you spend a week invoking this and this and this like stuff is going to change a lot or when you listen to um uh uh ashen chasan am i saying that right Ashin Chasan. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you listen to him talk about stuff, like he's always like, oh yeah, once we, once we did enough of these invocations, suddenly we had poltergeist activity and spirits in the house and mm -hmm. everything got mm -hmm. super weird. And there's not a lot of warning about stuff like that happening or when they do give the warning, it's not, it never, since you never, since nobody ever talked about specifics, it was mm -hmm. really hard to believe that those specific things would happen. Or that anything would happen. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, so we're getting in some interesting territory here. Yeah. Um, I think the secrecy is one part of that. I mean, I know there's this long tradition of we we can't come out because mm -hmm. the Christianized world will set the stake. Yeah. So that's a big part of it. Other part I think is in there as an element of this is. It deals with shadow material, like stuff's going to start happening, and it's not a lot of things that people would be wanting to talk about yeah. or admit to this happening because it's it's dealing with you personally on an individual level with shit you don't want to 
really admit even to yourself. Um, yeah. And I think that's what Israel Rigardi did such a good job. He's like, you know, you should probably get into some sort of psychotherapy before even touching magic. So I think yeah, for Israel sure. Rigardi did us a favor and a disfavor because at the same time, he almost psychologized all of this stuff too. He totally did. And that, you know, spirits are just a, a manifestation from your own psyche and such. So he kind of, it's kind of like a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah, I guess um, it makes me think of uh, like Lon Milo's, Lon Milo Duquette's famous line is like, yeah, it all happens in your head. You just don't realize how big your head is. You know, so he, he yeah. sort of, he sort of took like the psychological aspect of magic and then just pushed it over the top. Like, yeah, there's a psychological aspect, but that's because everything is psychological, including the weird stuff. Um, but it's true, you know, uh, depending on, on what you're invoking, um, like almost, you know, so for instance, if we want to talk about like planetary energies, you know, every planet is associated with things that are emotional or, or psych or I could say psychic, right? Yeah, psychic, like things that are inside of you, things that are part mm -hmm. of your personality and part of your your being. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're really obvious external things. And other times they're sort of scary internal things. You know, like if you invoke Venus, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, like the love of your life is going to show up and, and everything's going to be all happy and cheerful. Uh, invoking right. Venus might mean that you have to deal with uh, with how you personally deal with love or or how you even feel about yourself or how you feel about your friends. And then dealing with like, you know, the way uh, like society restricts our, you know, emotional expression and all that sort of stuff. So you might have to deal with some really, really personal stuff. And it's not just, oh, hey, I met this cool girl. It's more like, yeah. oh my God, I just realized that I hate myself and I have to learn how to love myself and I have to go through this whole ordeal. And um, and that it just never really gets talked about. So it's 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 really refreshing hearing you share this sort of stuff. Where you, you, you know, like the Mars initiation is probably, at least from what I've listened to in your podcast, like the Mars initiation is probably the most impactful one that I've heard. And, um, and the stuff that you've had to deal with, it, you know, the fact that you're sort of like putting mm -hmm. it out there and sometimes you have no idea what's going on or it takes you like yeah. two episodes to figure it out. And it's so, or it, yeah. Venus, huh? Like God, I don't know. The first year of mm -hmm. episodes dealt with that. Oh really? I haven't, I haven't um, gone back that far. I should go back and listen to those ones. Yeah. For me, the first thing, I mean, that was the big goat and, and the lady that I've come to call Venus Calva. But the mm -hmm. first thing that immediately happened after that is I went and had a one night stand that turned into a nightmare. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's not my typical behavior at all. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of that uh, had to do with my relationship with my mother. Mm -hmm. um, Right, stuff that is... Relationally, yeah, stuff came out, boom, yeah, big time, yeah. immediately. Yeah, and then there's, like, the more mysterious planets where, like, you look at Mercury, for instance, and Mercury, you know, on the surface, you're sort of like, oh, Mercury will probably have to do with, like, education or learning things or uh, or something like that. But when you actually initiate into Mercury, you know, Mercury... You know, we, we, have, we have leftovers of this stuff in our language. Like, when you talk about something being mercurial, it's, like, mysterious and shifty and not so the on the surface mercury is uh, associated with hermes associated with like uh, toth associated with like writing and learning and and magic and like all of this stuff that's sort of like super intellectual but um 
but we have remnants in our language about what like mercury really means you know when we describe things as mercurial they're not just Mm -hmm. mysterious but they're like shifty and changing or they have to do with like trickster stuff so so there are um you know there's no simple like none of the none of the planetary energies are simple so when you initiate into them you have to you have to really like integrate the whole like complex stack of ideas or a stack of of stuff you know it's not a it's not just a a one lane highway you know um right and then yeah so i guess that's one of the things i appreciate about your sharing of the stuff is that people get to see that it's not and i mean it's part of magic you know part of being a magician yeah i mean you can read the the Kabbalistic books and Golden Dawn stuff and mm-hmm. Flemic stuff on on the Tree of Life and and you pay, they have these corresponding keywords and and gods and goddesses and you, and you sort of get an idea. Okay, this is about that. Mm-hmm. What I didn't expect at all with my Mars initiation, I hate cops. Oh yeah, I had crap ever since a, a teenager as a skateboarder. I've had crap with cops, uh, speeding tickets. I seem to have. Uh huh more than anybody else <laughs> just uh, trouble all throughout life with cops and um got kicked out of high school on a felony charge uh, for marijuana dang good uh, job yeah. i mean you know represent the people and stuff yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i initiate into mars and get a uh um court summons for jury duty which i've never had uh-huh and so it's on the fifth floor um, I get ended up paying $32. It was like on the fifth of the month. I'm like, okay, got the message. And what I walked away with is a respect for that type of martial stuff going on in our society that I'd never really perceived uh-huh. in that way before. And it just gave me like a whole nother perspective on um, how Mars works in society and kind of the yeah. function of it. Yeah, if that makes sense. I I, I think that does make in, sense. In my own life. Yeah, I I've had to deal with that. I I've never actually done a um a Mars initiation. Uh and it, you know, in terms of like tree of life stuff, it's it's way up there in in Givera. So, uh hopefully I don't have to worry about it for a little while, but um but it's true that that sort of like martial aspect of our life, especially especially since we're in the United States, which which is a very martial country. Like we love war. Mm-hmm. Our country is super big on it we get like a super national hard-on for a little bit of war it's disgusting but but it's uh it rules our life you know i mean it's it's important and it's something that we really have to think about um yeah and then another great one like uh one of the spheres or planets that i that i associate really strongly with is jupiter um and part Mm. of it is you know part of jupiter is sort of like the, the the part that i identify with most is sort of like this uh this idea of sort of like luck or fortune that goes along with Jupiter, um, which is something that in my practice, I've had a good time or an easy time invoking and, and bringing out. Um, mm-hmm. But I also know that there's a lot of, I also know that there are, there are negative aspects of Jupiter that have manifested in my life that I'm not super comfortable with that. I'm not even going to talk about right now because we're recording mm-hmm. and stuff, but, um, but you, you know, there you always have to deal with like mm-hmm. the light and the darkness. And sometimes the light is easier to see from the outside. Uh, and you end up dealing with way more of the darkness once you get in there. And sometimes it's the reverse. Yeah, I think 
that's not something like you hear a lot from uh, like most of these guys running internet courses are like magic will better your life. Oh God. And it's the same thing <laughs> in Buddhism. Yeah. With, I mean the, what is it called? Um, like the, uh, chud? Mm, like the it's the death commonly known as uh, meditate. Um, you hear it on like Oprah all the time. I, all the time, I can't think of the term I'm looking for. I've never watched Oprah. Um, <laughs> me neither, but I know they're talking about it. Uh, anyway, it's kind of like this this borrowing from Buddhism uh-huh. without any of realizing you're borrowing from spiritual traditions, and they like don't tell you anything about that contemplative movement that's what oh, i'm looking at oh contemplative yeah yeah, yeah. contemplative you hear yeah. about that all the time uh-huh. like that's kind of the, the buzzword around meditation practices but you don't ever hear that when you start meditation you can enter this dark night of the soul stuff have pop up and have all this weird energetic stuff happen and you you never hear from that in like pop culture uh-huh. uh contemplative meditation stuff yeah and it's crazy and same with magic it, right right but i mean it, it's selling it oh selling it to better uh like a, a prosperity health and wealth prosperity thing sell it oh, sell it It'll god i mean you know honestly like to me magic if you aren't totally drawn to it then get the fuck away you know it's it's way easier to just be a monkey to just be like yeah out there existing dealing with the normal existential crises of like you know, I don't know, farming or rush hour than it is to be a magician and be faced to like look into the mirror that bears your own soul to yourself. And you have to like Mm -hmm. really deal with heavy crap because it's going to drive you into changing your life in ways that are super uncomfortable. Or if you, if you resist it and you're still doing magic, it's going to force that upon you. So you either have to like, you know, embrace your, initiatory experience monstrousness you have to embrace your inner monster yeah and part of it is like just this um, like bare honesty that you have to have with yourself oh god it's yeah (laughs) i think that's part of getting back to the journal Mm -hmm. uh that's what the journal is for uh franz barden in uh initiation what is it initiation Initiation into hermetics yeah uh that's what you've one of the first practices you start off doing is not only journaling but also making a list of all your positive traits and all your negative traits and then the next thing is applying what elements do these fall under and it's creating this magic mirror uh-huh. where i mean the worst thing nobody can really see themselves and see their own shadow side it's right it, you know everybody else can see it so that's the whole point of beginning these these practices with writing every day is to create that mirror where you can look and sort of sort of like meditation see into your own mind mm-hmm. Do you uh do you keep a written journal as well as using your podcast? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you do but like when you do like a regular daily practice, do you write down like notes like, oh, I did it at this time and it was I, I did for a long time, uh-huh. like lesser banishing ritual, moon thirty three percent waxing, mm-hmm. sign of Pisces, uh day of the moon, hour of Saturn, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Keep up with all that and you know how did I feel on this day and how did I feel afterwards? Not so much anymore. Um, If I do a major like operation, I'll typically write that down. Um, But the daily stuff, not so much. Um, The blog has become, I mean, if it's not the 
podcast, Charm the Waters, more of a, um, I don't know if I'd call it journal. If I get an idea that I just feel like I have to get out uh-huh. or express, that's that's where I'll go to. And um, like I said, I, I didn't. I think I got this from. Uh, I well, going back to how I was growing up, and so like introverted i've heard that lots of people are like this uh in show business they may be extremely introverted and really really screwed up in their private life but there's something when they are do create which i think magicians are very creative expressive people Mm -hmm. um they want people to see it so yeah i mean yeah the thing is to go to the stage or you know get some appreciation so when you come off the stage you know, like they go back to the introversion mm-hmm. so i think that's part of like why i'm like um pushed to like put everything out there publicly and kelly and everybody throughout my whole life is like aaron you can't be this open with people you tell people everything you know <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> so <laughs> That's just how I am. I, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't think it's bad. I think you, you know, you, you got to be who you are. Um, it is definitely you know, not good at secrets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, and, and honestly, like sometimes it's good to know people who aren't good with secrets because if you want something <laughs> to be known, but you don't want to say it, you just tell them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's funny, you know, so I'm a Freemason, right. And um, Freemasonry mm-hmm. has secrets and Freemasonry has, a really uncomfortable relationship with its secrets. So sometimes, you know, we have these sort of like, so like the Grand Lodge of England, um, which is Mm -hmm. one of the oldest Grand Lodges in the world, uh, publishes everything. And, and I think they even like recently put out a video series of the degrees. I haven't gone to look at it because I'm just sort of not excited about it. Uh, Mm-hmm. I don't know if you listened to the podcast where we interviewed ourselves about Freemasonry, but I cut out like a two minute rant about how pissed off I was at the Grand Lodge of England. Um, uh-huh. But, but one of the things that I've really learned about like secrecy through that is that um, secrecy in, in a way is kind of a, a metaphor or a symbol. So like the, the secrecy in Freemasonry, like uh, you know, the symbolic aspect of it or the sort of like uh uh, exoteric part of it is that even if you look up our secret handshake and our secret passwords on the internet and you're like, Hey Eric, mm-hmm. is this right? You try to give me the handshake and you give me the secret word. Mm-hmm. Even if you get it all right, I'm not going to tell you. I'd be like, you're not a Mason. You know, that's not cool. I'm not going to tell you. Um, yeah. And that's sort of the, that's sort of the symbolic aspect. Like that's the aspect of like what, as a society or as a, as a fraternity, we sort of share as a, as a bond. But, um, mm-hmm. but the real secret of Freemasonry, the real sec- uh, the real, I guess you could call it secrets, but maybe it's only one. I don't even know. Um, is the ineffable is the, um, the sort of initiatory experience that, that comes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like that we call it like the mystic tie or, you know, there's all sorts of like Masonic jargon for this sort of thing, but it's not even possible to communicate it. Right. Yeah. And I can, re- as I get more mature mm-hmm. in the spiritual stuff I'm involved in. And as through the podcast, I've met more people. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing you can't tell certain people everything, you know, cause yeah, it's, 
they they're not the type of people to tell they you know it's going to negatively impact you yeah they're going to think um, you're crazy first of all yeah that's that's just life i've yeah. learned that the hard you can't tell everybody everything oh yeah you know, some people you should just you know say hello and walk on yeah and but um, at the same time like those those less uh those less esoteric relationships or those relationships with the, with people who don't necessarily understand or or even want to understand yeah. the occult experiences you're having you still need to cultivate those because mm-hmm. you have to remember that oh god i don't want to get preachy here let me I'm not going to say you have to remember, but one of the things that I think is going in, on. In your name, Reverend Eric. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Reverend Eric. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I think is going on is that, uh, you know, every instance of consciousness, so every like manifestation of consciousness, every individual, every like cat, every minister, every mailman, like mm-hmm. everybody that you encounter is a manifestation of the same uh, source of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So when you do talk to them, they're going to have experiences and uh, things that they've gone through that they probably can't explain to you as well. Um, yeah. Maybe they're not uh, as profound or maybe they're not as like life changing. I mean, the thing is yeah. like magicians go through shit that like fucks up their life over and over again. You know, we, yeah. we yeah. look like yeah, messes exactly. to the outside world. Yeah. They look at us and they're like, oh my God, what is that dude doing? Why does he just like get a job and stop being such a loser? And, and meanwhile, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I've, I've, I've got so much success. Everything is working. Wish I could pay my electrical bill. I think <laughs> we're after wisdom. Yeah. Um, uh, let me talk about what you just said in a microcosmic way. Um, I've come to realize the people I grew up with, the Pentecostals, I accept that that's where they're at and there are some things like their ecstatic um, stuff. It's all couched in dogma and stuff. But what they're doing is is spiritual and there's cases of what they're doing in other areas of spiritualism. So I kind of have come to accept them and not be um, just poison towards them like Nietzsche was poison towards Lutherans <laughs> isn't everybody poison towards Lutherans so I, said, <laughs> I said I can go back so I went back to church um, to because I have so much family mm-hmm. and I did it mainly for my mom um, and I sat there and I, I could tolerate it like myself but I saw in their faces they couldn't tolerate me because they knew I wasn't one of them Oh, and so it was on the opposite side. Yeah. Um, now, if I turn that to like a macrocosmic level, I mean, everybody's, everybody would point to Nazis. Well, yeah, esoterically, we have this idea that, you know, everything that is manifest is manifest from divinity and has a purpose and mm-hmm. stuff. But then they're Nazis. So you, how are you going to deal with that on a practical level and it's i mean pentecostals well you deal with it for me or my yeah oh yeah i i understand what you're saying i mean when you bring nazis into it you're really taking it to like a really extreme argument especially in like yeah most outrageous example yeah. you come up with uh but let's let's reel it back a little bit and look at sort of like uh evangelical christianity or pentecostals or uh i'm not 
totally uh, sure how to classify all the different types of evangelical, evangelical Christians, but we have a bunch of them in Oregon too. And the town that I grew up in had uh, some really hardcore Christians. And when I was younger and um, ran a BBS, I read a BBS that got like uh, the pagan occult distribution system. Um, so we had Christians logging on and just wanting to argue. And there were some, mm-hmm. some that I kind of, I guess, became friends with. Uh, they never accepted me for who I was. And they argued and argued and argued. And they'd like give me Bibles for my birthday and, or just give uh-huh. me Bibles just out of, yeah, yeah. like I, I, you're a project. I was a project. Um, you're never a friend. You're a project. Yeah. And that's kind of crappy. I've learned that too. But yeah, I also treated too. them that way. You know, in my mind, mm. I was like, oh my God, they're so wrong. How can I fix them? How can I get them to not be wrong? <laughs> uh, and it took it took me a long time to, to come to terms with that too. And I guess, I don't know what the lesson is. I still don't really, like to me, mm. I still want those sorts of people to open their minds a little bit and accept that there are other ways to look at the world. Uh, I mean, when, yeah. you know, when you're an esotericist, when you do occult stuff, you constantly yeah. get to see that there are different occult traditions, different esoteric traditions, different yeah. spiritual paths. Uh, there are lots of similarities and a lot of times tons of differences, but you still. Yeah. 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 I think there's an, once you pick up the underlying message and all of this stuff, I think you have to take in a lot um, yeah. of different religions. And I think that's what the Western esoteric tradition has been good at. Besides Eastern mysticism, I don't think it has absorbed it too well. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's starting. But, you know, I mean, you got like, the whole yoga thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yoga. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another example of extremely, here in Asheville, like, it's all these hipsters doing yoga. So <laughs> I went, uh, my ex, I took her daughter. I just wanted her to have this experience to get, you know, because she just had this very rigid Christian background. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have her experience something else so i signed us up for this uh, meditation class and it was at a yoga place and i typically wear all black like just it's just my style what, like black some kind of like black you're jeans. like some kind of magician or something you're just black black all the time <laughs> I, don't I don't know i've never my grandpa didn't like colors either so i, I think it may be genetic oh so thing. maybe you're just know. sort of a but, you're like a protestant like a classic Protestant well, Capricorn, <laughs> Capricorn. Uh, not not a lot of emotion. Uh, pretty, yeah, the old black uh, goat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have a lot of flair. Um, so we went in, and first thing I got was criticism. Like somebody said, some made some Metallica references. Like they're judging me based on the way I dress, and because I have a shaved head. Mm-hmm. Oh, he must be like some Metallica guy. What's he doing here in this yoga place? Wait, what's a Metallica like, guy? You... <laughs> <laughs> I've never liked Metallica. That's I've never liked music. Period. So that that's weird. Like, it... I'm like, are you? Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's so. Like, so they just sort of. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, you 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 find that. I at least I that's been my experience everywhere in life and I think that's why I'm so withdrawn and like fuck everybody mm-hmm. and I'm going to do my own thing but you know what you're talking about is you wanting to open people's mind I think that is the role of magicians I mean hermeticism is about gaining the philosopher's stone uh-huh. as a medicine for yourself and then 
going out and sharing it with the world and help healing right the right world. it's uh, that's in that's in uh, the first book of the corpus Hermeticum. actually right at the end of the the first book uh when hermes trismegistus offers up his prayer to god he's like uh enabled me to you know enlighten my brothers and sisters around me and you know back to the secrecy thing mm -hmm. um we can't do that in like in an overt like dogmatic way mm -hmm. it's like back to what jesus was doing was actually showing people this like with his life and nobody got it and like screw religion like so, he's like screw the pharisees yeah but but like so screw the sadducees <laughs> But but did you even get the impression that even even the apostles kind of missed the point a lot of the time? Yeah, they did. They were they were totally they didn't get it and, until like after after the people like actually crucified him, they were like, oh, it's about being a servant. Yeah, it's not about being like this dogmatic asshole that builds up a church. Right. right. It's about actually going out into the world and help healing it. And then you had Paul of Tarsus come by and. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of he's, theological arguments around like, that. He's all like, hey, dudes, I'm an asshole. I'm going to start a religion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of people thought it should have gone to Jesus' brother, and there was like a... That's James, right? Anyway, that's a, getting a... Yeah. Yeah, get, that's more the Gnostic type thinking around this. But um, this secrecy thing, and like how you said, uh, Eric, that it, it can't be like taught. Uh-huh. Uh, this is like we could call it gnosis or right, right. the wisdom you get from these ordeals. It's not even something you can put into a form. Yeah, you can't even um, you can't you even can kind speak of... it. Like there's no language for it, right? We don't have we don't have words for it. And as far as I can tell, no language has words for it. Like we just a symbol. Yeah, is the best thing we have to kind of point people towards it. Right, like uh, and it's the prince symbol, right? Like the artist formerly known as Prince, where he's got the little like. Right. Onk with a devil tail or whatever it looks like. I'll, <laughs> right. I'll use that in the the show notes. Look in the show notes. You can see the print symbol. <laughs> it's purple. <laughs> I can't remember what it looks like, but it was kind of mercurial, wasn't it? Uh, I think it's kind of... I was thinking Mercury is having the horned... I don't think it's got the horns. Kind of I think it's more like a, um, like a Venus symbol with uh, extra crossbars and then i think it oh, has male, male female yeah i think it's sort of a male female sort of thing but I, if i remember correctly like the tail sort of curves around and has sort of like a little I, mm. honestly i'm totally making this up now i i'm almost done with this uh three philosophers beer so most of what i say <laughs> is now going to be made up in fact yeah. um so i'm just not not getting revved up yeah i'm gonna um, um i'm gonna down this and go rinse my glass so i can try this weird cider so feel free to talk to the podcast and sit, tell them whatever you want my alchemical bromance is sponsored by miskatonic books miskatonic books is an online bookstore that focuses on rare limited edition and custom-made books of the highest quality they specialize in books on the occult ceremonial magic freemasonry rosicrucianism hermeticism and other topics of interest to you our listeners check them out on the web at miskatonicbooks.com okay wow um that's uh kind of cool i guess uh 
Eric's people. Going back to this symbol thing, I'll just kind of go off on my own tangent while Eric's gone. Um, I think once you get involved in occultism, um, that's the first thing you start learning about symbols of the planets, uh, symbols of the elements. You have all the alchemical sulfur, salt, mercury. You start picking up on these things and then you can start building this language. And for me, that symbolic language that I was picking up through occult teachings started to pour through in dream symbology. And I started to be able to understand my dreams better. Uh, for instance, I first started with magic. Fire and water uh, started presenting themselves in my dreams. And so it's kind of like following the trail of symbols. Where is it going to take me? What is it trying to tell me? Um, that um, equilibrium, the male-female thing is so huge in hermeticism and kind of this balance. Uh, I think that the, the three pillars that Kelly saw the other night in vision, um, that's, that's so hugely important. This idea of balance and equilibrium and as above, so below. And I can't even begin to grasp it yet, but I'm, I'm getting that this is huge and underlying everything. I'm back. I okay. I heard a little yeah. bit of that last part, and I, I want you to know that as I came in, I have my my planetary altar is turned on, and I noticed that we are currently in, at least on my coast, uh, the uh, it's the day of Venus and the hour of Mars, which I feel... And for me, it's... Uh, yeah, for you, it's uh -huh. two, three hours later, uh, so... Hour of Mercury. Yeah. Uh, but Venus and Mars, to me, have always seemed like... And in, in popular culture, they're very uh, much viewed as opposites, right? I mean, I, I look at male and female biology mm -hmm. as more symbolic. Everybody wants to say, well, that's feminine or that's masculine. Yeah. I hear something else than pointing to biology. I hear something totally behind that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. I Oh, hold on. I'm going to open this. Wildcraft oak-aged kiwi cider. I'm expecting this to be super weird. I actually have no idea what it's going to taste like, but I'm going to... I can't say I've had too many ciders. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, cider is, is kind of big in Portland right now. Wow, this was really huh. full. So this was created at a, a growler shop at a on Hawthorne, which is a street not too far north of here. And um, they have a canning machine in their shop. So you can go in and just get like beer and they'll can it for you right there. And it's so wow. full. They filled this up so much that when I opened the beer, the top of the can filled up. <laughs> Gross. Wow. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> it's weird. That's me peeing in a fishbowl. Oh man! So, <laughs> what's the name of that that dead goldfish? Anyhow, <laughs> uh, that smells like a white wine. Um, oh yeah. So you should. This is something that you can pay attention to the next time you have wine. Um, smells uh that are kind of like vanilla come from oak 
Uh, oak adds a lot of different flavors to things, but vanilla is usually the one that's most prominent. So you can, you have to learn to sort of like search. You have to search your senses, Luke. And somewhere in there, ah. yeah, it's a, uh, it's very much a question of like awareness of, of like the the constituents of flavors, the different parts that go in to make up a flavor. Uh, oak can do a lot of vanilla things. It can also add some like weird bitterness or, or tannic acid which is kind of like black tea like the 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 sort mm-hmm. of bite of black tea so now um cider yeah, that's from apples right um oh, originally <laughs> cider was apples but nowadays uh, almost anything that's made out of fruit that's not grapes will be called a cider so this one is kiwi okay. uh and i i don't know enough about I didn't look it up or anything, so I don't. And it's uh, you know, it's an unlabeled can since it's it was from a, a keg. Um, so I don't know if it was just kiwi or not, but there's definitely like some kiwi flavors. You have to you know, you can imagine. So with a cider, uh, you only get like the fruit flavor, and the sweetness is all gone. So everything that's sort of like sugary and sweet about the fruit has all fermented out. So, alcohol. Yeah, it's all turned into booze. So this is. It's super drinkable. It's very light. It's kind of there. There's definitely sort of like an apple tartness to it. Um, and mm-hmm. I want to say that I can taste it when I exhale. Like I get this oaky <sighs> oak breath. I have oak breath. <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking about um, how Rufus Opus tries to tie different alcohols to different spheres yeah i like that so for the moon i i do too because i mean going back to mithraism um you have these different symbols for the different grades Uh which are totally lost to us today yeah but in one of them is uh you can see this all throughout roman art especially it's a little disc looks like a little ufo Mm -hmm. and it's actually like a libation bowl type thing that they would pour libations from Uh uh-huh so I kind of think that's really cool that Rufus Opus is bringing back that element into like uh, Trimetheus or Trithemius. Oh, Trithemius. <laughs> because you're thinking of Trismegistus <laughs> and, where there's an M in the middle, I think. It's... <laughs> um, so, so for like moon, it would be like white wine. Uh-huh. You mentioned white wine. Anything apples. Yeah. Or crab apples, especially. Yeah. Uh, you sowed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of course anything pumpkiny. And then of course you can you can also use word associations, right? So like moonshine would right. be a great moon drink. Uh, and the other like you know the moon is is one of the terrifying spheres. Like, what is our? What do you think is the most common cultural association with the moon? Like, I feel like there's some kind of romance associated with it, but there's also you know werewolves, nighttime, scary things in the dark. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think everything dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of the ocean. Um, yeah, darkness, the unknown, um, intuitiveness. I mean, I've I've heard people describe, you know, all these astral forms. Uh oh yeah, moon, moon stuff. So, I think that there's also like I always associate the moon with like sort of that romantic. You know, mm-hmm. if you look out and see the full moon, your lover sees the same full moon sort of thing. Uh, or... Dean Martin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it's it, but it's a so it's a dark, scary sky. It's a dark, scary moon thing. Like the moon can be dark and scary, but then at the same time, like the mm-hmm. full moon used to be associated with like that's a good night to travel because you can see. Right. Yeah, it was very helpful. Yeah. Um, I think isn't it funny too? Uh, I think the idea of lunacy. Yeah. Uh, I know everybody has heard like the thing out there that when there's a full moon that uh, emergency workers like, you know, get all these crazy calls. Yeah. And I actually keep a uh, scanner uh-huh. and it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard, I have a, is, what, it, yeah, I've heard, I have some friends who work in the metal, medical industry and they, they say it. I mean, it, I, I, if you read Hassan's book, uh, the latest Big Blue and mm-hmm. uh, Gateways Through Light and Shadow, he talks a bit about how um, uh, Gabriel, is it Gabriel? No, is it Gabriel's the moon? Archangel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he kind of talks about his function in the universe, and you get the idea of you know this waxing and waning, mm-hmm. things being born into manifestation, things going out from manifestation, all these sort of transition transitional things um you know the the uh what is it with the ocean when it goes in and out the tides yes (laughs) and so that (laughs) that kind of idea and so something about the full moon is that that like it, it reminds me of um what was the gonzo rider um oh hunter s thompson guy yeah, him talking about a certain peak in like the 1960s or whatever, where he said it was like he described it as being over your, like rising up uh-huh. to like over your head. I can't. It's been a while since I saw the movie, but the craziness, the mm-hmm. the peak of the 1960s drug thing reached reached this place, and I that's where I see like the full moon, like everything mm. is in full force, right? Like uh, just and that's. Like I think of Hunter S. Thompson every time there's a full moon with that huh. uh, sort of metaphor or analogy. I always get those two mixed up about this being like sort of the astral is just flooding us. Yeah, yeah, and, like the and, gates and are open, energizing us. Yeah, and it makes sense when you look at it um, like kabbalistically, right? Where where the moon is is yesod, like the first uh, the first of the the sephirot that you can even reach, and in fact, kind of the gateway to everything else. You know, so. It sort of comes and goes. Just did you ever play that, like the old Ultima games where you had the moon gates that you walk through? Once or twice in arcades, I remember the arcade game. What, they had Ultima at arcades. Dang. Uh, Maybe that was Super Nintendo. I yeah, remember. I remember playing it. A few <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it totally is like um, the moon comes and goes, and 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 some of our most mystical religions used to base their entire calendars on the moon. You know, it was sort of seen as. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack in the moon, which we will do in a future episode of Charm the Water, I think. Right? Right, right. Moon episode. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have another thing to ask you about uh, in regards to uh, magical journals. I came across this on Instagram recently, 
Um, and I'm afraid that as I talk about this, I'm going to sound like an old man who's not really in touch with like young people and how they're using technology, which I am very comfortable with moving into. I don't understand a Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot use Snapchat. I don't get oh, it. Oh, man, you just like take your pants off and send pictures of your balls to people. Like, oh, that's... Like, well, shit, the pictures just disappeared and I can't get it back. Oh, yeah. What is this? Do you want to look at that anymore? No, no. <laughs> um. But on Instagram, there's this, uh, if you look up like the, the hashtag, hashtag grimoire, uh-huh. you'll get, um, first of all, there's like a clothing company called grimoire. So you get like a lot of people dancing around in their fancy dresses or jeans or whatever. But you also get a lot of younger, like sometimes super young, like high school age or maybe younger than high school mm-hmm. age people uh, posting pictures of their magical journals dude you're not using a glass really like after all all i i tried to civilize you so hard <laughs> i just try to get as down quickly as possible <laughs> without smelling it <laughs> okay all right all right that's cool internet aaron david won't use a glass when he drinks beer <laughs> um but but so that so that north carolina after all. yeah but i mean asheville asheville is like beer city usa they they really try hard to be beer city usa <laughs> I'll ri- do. I'm going to write them a letter. <laughs> They're going to send you just like <laughs> pint glasses and and uh, cans. That would that would be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but these Instagram posts uh, really reveal like, and I guess it's not just young people. There's there's people there's older folks too who are doing it. When I say older, I mean mm-hmm. like you know our age ish um yeah and they're they're basically turning their magical journals like their physical magical journals where they take notes on all this stuff into scrapbooks Uh yeah i know i know what you're talking about yeah but i mean some of them are super pretty uh and a lot of them are really just like people hand copying like tables and correspondences and sometimes passages out of uh famous magical textbooks or whatever and uh and creating sort of like these wonderful works of art out of them um mm-hmm. and at first I, I i mean it's it's kind of mind-boggling i i don't really know what to think of it part of me is sort of like this is ego food like you guys are just feeding oh, yeah. your egos it, if you actually look at my instagram you can see a bit of that that i did myself yeah have you ever heard of bullet journaling Bullet journaling? Is that where you drink a ton of bullet whiskey and then you try to write on a piece of paper and your handwriting's all like big loops and no. zigzags? No. No. It was a guy, he was on a TED talk and he had ADD and he came up with this system of journaling. Uh-huh. And uh I think it's Leuchtern or something. It's like a German oh, Leuchtern. Uh, yeah. Yes. It means lighthouse. Uh, Moleskin's competitor. Yeah. Oh man, their journals are so much better. I agree. Yeah. Uh, especially with paper. Oh yeah. So how I got into this uh, was I took Gordon White's coursework before I got kicked out. Oh yeah. But you you mentioned <laughs> uh, Gordon... Gordon White's moleskin thing when we were chatting about. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so that's what got me interested in it. Um, he kind of gave this uh, with his sigil course uh-huh. about how he used a moleskin for um you know tracking stuff uh-huh. so i got on the internet and started researching and of course being a capricorn i have to have the nicest of nice things <laughs> and so i was like the the Luchtern or whatever you pronounced it Luchtern. Uh, and specifically the bullet journal uh-huh. 
I especially liked how this bullet journaling is set up. Um, so I got into that. Uh, I, I, I wait, hold on. Wrote what, out Hebrew. What, can you tell us more about the bullet journal thing? Like what uh -huh. is a, is that a specific type of book or is it a specific technique? It's both. Um, once you get the technique, you can just use any, any journal. Okay. But, um, the specific bullet journal they sell is already set up. Okay. It's very nice, very pretty. Um, comes with stickers that you can label. I like stickers. Um, yeah, I mean, you could shelf them. I mean, if you only bought these uh -huh. and you journaled like daily, it would be beautiful on a shelf of like 10, 20 of these. It'd be amazing. Huh. But um, yeah, I got into that, got all the um, uh, from, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's up here somewhere. Uh, the Hygromantia or whatever, however you want to pronounce it. Oh, HYG uh, Hygromantia? Yeah. Or Hygromantia, yeah. Wrote out all the prayers. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, the planetary days and associations. I wrote out several magical alphabets, Thuban and, uh -huh. and Crossing the River, whatever. So you kind of uh, made, made your own grimoire sort of thing. Yeah, this was in the back, okay. like as a reference. So you, oh. and then in the front you have a uh, what do you call it when you open a book index? Yeah, table of contents for your own stuff. Okay. Yeah, and then you go month by month, and it's very systematic. And I think I may have ADD, but for any whatever reason, this really like grabbed me uh -huh. for a while. I'm kind of out of the face now. But the coolest thing was what everybody does is snaps pictures of their, you know, awesomely. Um, designed daily bullet journal entry and post it to Instagram. Uh -huh. So I kind of got into that community of things. So it's kind of sounds like what you're talking about is a little bit bled over. It, it is an ego thing. It's like, look what I did. Uh -huh. Look how pretty this is. And I see people pouring libations, taking pictures of that, taking pictures of their Oh man, taking pictures rituals. of their altars and stuff. Man. Yeah. I, I have taken pictures of my altars, but I'm not going to take pictures during a Oh yeah, me neither, me neither. That's 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 totally off limits. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I feel super weird about taking pictures of my altars, but like, uh, you know, I mean, my planetary smart altar, which I mention all the time now. Uh, the first time I got it uh -huh. working and all set up, and I was like, I'm gonna put a pic, I'm gonna put a video in this on Instagram. I made sure that it was so dark in my in my uh, ritual space that you couldn't tell necessarily what was on the altar when I activated it. Uh, mm. Because I mean. It, there's, you know, I mean, there's, there's a, I guess there's kind of a difference necessarily between secrecy and privacy, right? Like, right. Uh, privacy is secret, but it's sort of just, it's personal. Like my altar, right. I don't necessarily want people to, yeah. And honestly, I, I don't even, I don't even know why. Um, in fact, here I'll, I, 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 I understand that. Yeah. Uh, I got criticism when I posted the picture of my altar. Uh -huh. I got this criticism. Somebody said, who taught you? You never show your magical tools. Yeah. And it was from like this superstitious like point of view that it is superstitious. Well, if you show somebody your magical tools, they can have power over you if they know where you're working from. Yeah. but And I was like, well, like how is that you. true? I mean, you know, I, I think one of the, the biggest dangers in showing your magical tools is that other people are going to look at it and be like, oh, my God, you can't you can't spell Hebrew words. You totally just screwed that whole thing up. Is it really working? 
uh, which I think You're also a shitty craftsman. Well, I mean, it, I mean, I I know that I'm a shitty craftsman, right? Like I. Uh, oh, me too. Yeah. I, I mean, well, have you seen the stuff Frater Ashen Chasson puts out? I mean, I've, this is a respectable some yeah. guy. I respect tremendously. Mm-hmm. He posts every picture, every, every tool he he makes or has made. Yeah, and he's like, he got criticism today. Um, he made this beautiful, beautiful um, necklace, and you could tell it was his own uh, writings on it. Because if you've seen his talismans, uh-huh. you would recognize him anywhere. Sun talisman, and he had his wife model it, and she's beautiful. Both it was just stunning all his stuff is amazing i mean it's not like jewelry store mm-hmm. quality but i mean for a guy who, who's you know, just doing just it at home doing it, it's yeah amazing and you got criticism uh somebody said are you trying to like outdo uh in other words it was like a, a kind of like you're not up to the quality of uh i can't think of the the guy who makes uh ritual tools for a lot of people including Chaucer before, but it was kind of like, come on. Oh, like Doc Solomon. Like, there's trolls uh, out there. Is it Doc Solomon that you're thinking about? The guy who runs Doc Solomon website? No, um, no this this guy uh, uh, specifically deals with uh, magical tools like daggers. And oh, okay. Swords. And, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, like I, I've made, uh, you know, before I start, yeah, I mean, I've made lots of like planetary amulets and like I've made some of my ritual implements and I'm not super good at it, but I also, so this is interesting. Um, when you look at what other people are making and working with and claiming to get good results out of, uh, mm-hmm. it's maybe like 50% of it has bad Hebrew. <laughs> right. And if it still works, what does that really say? Does it say that like that, it doesn't matter that is it is it intent more than the actual physical object like is it and and i think that this actually ties into um one of the things that i think is like a really core um aspect of magical practice which is the uh the imaginal or uh, astral vision we talked about this Mm -hmm. when we Mm -hmm. were on your podcast um and i think that a lot of times when you make the tool like you've got the tool there but you also have like this ideal image of the tool that you store in your in your mind that that is part of your vision right right? so so the visualized portion of the tool is probably more important than the actual physical thing yeah um for one thing what you said about people posting pictures of the tools they make i'm super inspired by it yeah sometimes Uh, i am too seeing rufus opus's uh Trithemian table of practice that's what made me want to make one mm-hmm. um Ren Collier uh a guy out there he's been on where the road go and a few other podcasts lately and doing the working the uh Trithemian system he got inspired by a guy um I can't think of his name but he was one of Rufus Opus's former students mm-hmm. and uh, I think a computer data guy or something really smart uh I can't think of his blog name but he's he went he got inspired by the stuff he had posted uh-huh. um, with the Trithemian table. And so, like, I love seeing pictures of, of stuff. And Chasson has no problem posting his own ritual tools. I think it's really cool. Now, what you said about, you know, bad Hebrew and stuff, 
I think the most important thing is that you make it yourself with the intent you have for it. Um, and I don't care if you use Hebrew or, you know, sigils you come up with on a, on a rose cross thing mm-hmm. or planetary squares or like whatever. You know what you're doing, right? Yeah. So you put your intent into it. Um, just copying out of books, that's some other guy's like idea. I mean, Hebrew, some some like guys just came up with that and agreed, yeah, this is what this means. Yeah. So, I mean, it's much more important to have your own meaning in your own tools that you make. I think that makes them such so much more potent mm-hmm. not in your, in your own psyche and everything. So these, these people that order everything off eBay <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I just kind of shake my head out because once you do it, I mean, no matter what kind of craftsman you are, once you do it, you have so much pride and you're like, yeah, I did this. And this is very meaningful to me. Yeah. So then something goes up in the mailbox. I think that, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Actually, I think that's a pretty high note to end the episode on, because I think it kind of also outlines what you've done with your magical journaling, what you've done with sort of your online sharing of your magical experience and your initiatory experience. Um, I think that, uh, one thing, you know, pride is a sin, uh, and it's totally going to get in the way, but if you're going to be proud of something, I think you should really be proud of, um, of what you've done in terms of like sharing your progress with the rest of the magical occult community. You know I mean? That's, uh, it's a really awesome thing to see. I hope that you keep doing it and I want you to plug your podcast. Oh, now. thanks man. Tell, tell us about your podcast. Yeah. All right. Uh, we started, I guess, a little over a year now. We're coming up, I guess, close to two years, getting into sometime April. Yeah. Maybe of 2018 will be two years. That, that's uh, I'm, um, this, uh, this episode will air sometime around then. No, I'm joking. I'm, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wow. You're... It'll it'll be, it'll air in like a week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just pretty much me. Um, I've had the privilege to interview Ashin Chasan and Gordon White. I don't know mm-hmm. how that happened. And some other really cool people, Billy Brujo, um, some guys that I just followed on the internet. And like, just from, uh, I, I've been shocked at just when I started doing this, like the relationships that it kind of sprung for it. So yeah, I'm at charmofthewater.com and, uh, I'm just tickled like to even be here. You know, this is something that's uh, my meeting you has transpired through it. And uh, it's just really cool for me to uh, be able to do this type of thing. I, I'm i I'm happy about it too. You know, I mean, well, thank you. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Uh, this has been a, a delightful episode of my alchemical bromance. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, Aaron, cheers. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks, Eric. Yahtzee. All right, this is pretty exciting. My Alchemical Bromance has some upcoming events that I want to talk to you guys about. First of all, uh, me, Eric, this is Eric still, I am going to be doing tarot readings for Halloween. I'll have two different appearances. They'll both be at Pairings Portland Wine Shop on October 27th and the 31st. That's at 455 Northeast 24th Avenue in Portland, Oregon. You can check my Arnamancy website for more details about that. Second, 
my alchemical bromance will be at the Conference for Esotericism and Freemasonry in Seattle, Washington on October 21st. This is an event that you have to be a Freemason to attend. But if you see us, come up and talk to us. We're thinking of recording short interviews and putting together an episode with like little interviews with Freemasons who are into esotericism. The conference on esotericism and Freemasonry will be taking place during MabCon 2, which is a very small conference consisting of just three people. We will be hiding out at My Alchemical Bromance's secret headquarters in Gig Harbor, Washington, making magical beer, recording podcast episodes, and doing all sorts of weird stuff. Stuff, which will probably, hopefully, certainly result in a series of podcast episodes where you can learn all about it. So stay tuned. We got exciting stuff coming up over the next few weeks. Come and see us at Pairings Portland on October 27th and 31st and at the Conference on Esotericism and Freemasonry in Seattle on October 21st. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that.